am excited this morning to introduce our newest sermon series, which will carry us through this season of Lent. This series is called The God We Can Know, and it has been heavily influenced by the book of the same title by Pastor Rob Fouquet. It is also the book that we are using during our Lenten Bible study. So if something is stirred in you, inspired in you this morning, and uh, you want to go deeper or you want to learn more, I encourage you to explore that Bible study as an opportunity to grow in faith in this season. Over the next six weeks, while we're in this sermon series, we'll take a dive into the Gospel of John and explore together the various I am statements of Jesus. These are all statements that if you grew up in the church and you have a church background, you've probably have heard them and are familiar with them. But if not, this is an opportunity to learn together. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. But today, this morning, we will unpack just two simple words, these words that appear in each and every one of these scriptures. I am. Will you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for your holy presence with us this morning. We know that you are here, that you came before, and you continue to go with us. Help these words, God, to be your words, a reflection of your love and your grace and your presence for each of us today. Thank you, Jesus, for this time to be together with you. Amen. Do you know the meaning of your name? What does your name mean? mean. My name, Carolyn, means song of joy. Oh, and I don't know if my parents realized this fun fact when they chose my name, but it's also the feminine take on the name Charles, which happens to be my grandfather's name, and it means free man. And according to Neil Diamond, it also means good times never seemed so good. Just kidding, that's Caroline, but close enough. <laughs> you might know the meaning of your name already. Maybe your family has shared with you the meaning of your name. Maybe the meaning of your name was very important for them in choosing your name. Maybe you have a family name that's been passed through generations. Maybe you're, uh, you have a name that's been inspired by a book character or maybe a biblical reference to your name? What do you think of, though, when you think of God's name? Who or what do you think of? How many of you imagine Michelangelo's 1511 depiction of the creation of Adam? You might have guessed that the graphic for the sermon series was borrowed from this iconic painting. 
Do you think of God as being an elderly, white-haired guy? This is William Blake's watercolor rendition on the left, and I would be remiss not to make a nod to the God depiction in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Do you imagine God looking like this? Morgan Freeman, Bruce Almighty? What about this? God is mother, God is nurturer, God is life giver. Maybe you don't tend to really think of God in a physical sense and physical characteristics, but you can find God in your daily life and you know when God is speaking to you. Regardless, really, of what or who you imagine when you think about God, what matters is that we can recognize God's voice. And we'll learn from now through Easter that God wants to be recognized, and God wants to be known. God wants us to recognize that voice. God desires for us to know who God is, for us to recognize God in our daily life, in our daily walk. God has developed special relationships with God's people. From the origin stories in the Bible, God was easy for Adam and Eve to find. Even when Adam and Eve did not want to be found, God came looking for them. The origin stories are filled with these fantastical tales of God speaking directly and clearly. God's voice is powerful and recognizable to those who hear it, to those who have heard the voice of God. God appears to Adam and Eve in the garden. God talks directly to Cain after the murder of his brother Abel. God tells Noah to build an ark in the desert. God appears to Abraham, telling him to leave his kinship and his country and to settle elsewhere. And even in the midst of that challenging commandment, Abraham recognized God, God's voice, and God's friendship. In Exodus, we find a story of another powerful encounter with God. We don't have all the words on the screen this morning, but if you'd like to read along in your pew Bibles, we, I will be reading Exodus chapter 3, the first 11 verses. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw the, this bush, and though it was not on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jezubites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you wonder if Moses was maybe a little suspicious? Do you suppose that perhaps Moses didn't really trust himself? Maybe he thought he had been exposed to a little bit too much desert heat. Maybe. And yet, now we know that God wants to be recognized our God wants to be found. We see that here, God makes it too hard not to be recognized. God is in a burning bush. Maybe not terribly unusual given the climate, but Moses can recognize God in a fire that is not burning out. God becomes known to Moses. In the miraculous, in God's voice, in God's mention of Moses' ancestors, God cannot be ignored or misunderstood. We will, throughout this Lenten season, continue to meet with this God who desires to be seen and to be recognizable and to be known by each and every one of us. In this season of Lent, as we explore the I am statements of Jesus, I hope that you'll continue to come back and remember and reflect on this passage out of Exodus. Today and throughout this season, I hope that you'll challenge yourself to find the parallels and make connections between the God who Moses knew and the God who we can know when we commit to studying and knowing the Gospels. In Jesus' context, this Gospel context, those who heard his I am messages knew their Bibles, and they knew their Bibles well. They knew their history, they knew their legends. Jesus' self-revealing I am statements would have reminded them and can remind us of God's past words as revealed to Moses. This call to Moses is to liberate God's people out of bondage in Egypt. Likewise, God's call to us is to liberate ourselves to fully know God 
and then to challenge the oppressive systems that we see and liberate others so that they too can know God. Thousands of years after Moses' encounter, Jesus aligns himself with Moses. But Jesus does more than just simply identify with Moses. Jesus further reveals the truth about the God who we can know and the God who wants to know us. And that very God who we can know is further revealed as our story in Exodus continues, picking up in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Looking back at the texts, Moses asks God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them then? What's in a name? Remember how I asked earlier what your name means? Why does Moses ask God for God's name? Maybe it's because God is asking Moses to do something very dangerous defy one of the most powerful men in the world, Pharaoh, and demand that he frees the Israelites from captivity. This demand is ridiculous, especially when the Israelites' enslavement is key to Egypt's prosperity. Rob Fuquay points out in his book that uh, ancient Egyptian culture believed that names carried power and that knowing someone's name would transfer some of that authority to the individual who knew the name. And remember that Moses was heavily influenced by ancient Egyptian culture. So maybe in ancient Egypt, it really is about who you know and not really about what you know. Maybe Moses suspects that the Israelites will need some sort of evidence of who God is in order to trust Moses. Remember, Moses spent much of his life not living amongst the Israelites. So God tells Moses the name to use. I am. I am who I am. I am. In the original Hebrew, this phrase, I am who I am, is pronounced, Ahihe, Ashir, Ahihe. Let's all practicing that together. Aihe, Asher, Aihe. That was pretty good. 
I spent a lot of time practicing that, by the way. I won't spend too much time going into all of the history and the background and the context of translations because I would put about 80% of you to sleep, but there's been a lot of scholarship on this particular phrasing in various parts of the Bible. This is a phrase that is used in both the present tense and in the future tense. And typically, long story short, Translators will use the phrase that makes the most sense given the scriptural context. I am who I am. I hey, I share, I hey. But this three word phrase can also be translated to I will be what I will be. Think about who God is and who God wants to be known in the context of both Exodus and in the gospel. Thinking about God being both present and future tense is a historic game changer. I will be what I will be. God is about to do something in the story of Exodus that no one has ever seen before. Taking an entire nation from slavery into freedom. In the Gospels, God does something that no one has ever seen before. God dwells among us. God is liberating the oppressed, the crippled, the sick, the women, the poor. God does something that no one has ever seen before. Frees us from the bondage of sin and invites us to a life of salvation. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. If you were to continue reading on in Exodus this week, which I would just highly recommend that you do, especially if you haven't read the story of deliverance in a while or possibly ever, if you were to go on reading in Exodus this week, you would find in chapter 4 that Moses has a whole laundry list of reasons why he cannot go. He's not eloquent. He's never been a very good, very confident speaker. Neither the Israelites nor the Egyptians will respect him. But suppose they don't believe me. I can imagine the resigned Moses whining to God. So I ask you, what is God preparing for you in this Lenten season? You see, knowing God isn't just about envisioning Grandpa God or Morgan Freeman God or divine feminine God. Getting to know God means getting to know ourselves. And the more we know about who God is, the more we can know about who we are. Moses says, I'm not a very good speaker. God says, I will be with you. Moses says, I won't be respected. 
God says, I will be with you. Moses says, please send somebody else. God says, I will be with you. Let that be enough. What about you? What words do you use to describe yourself? If you're anything like me, and I hope that I'm wrong in this, but you might say things like, I am unqualified. I am underprepared. I am unworthy. I am a failure. I am too loud, or I am too slow, or I am too old, or I don't know what I'm doing. But God says, I will be with you. I am who I am. I will be what I will be. Let it be enough. Rob Fuquay writes that we are not just made by God, but we are made out of God. What a beautiful message. So instead of dwelling on what we lack, praise God that we are made out of God's goodness, God's power, God's strength, God's love, God will be who God will be, and God will be with you. This is the God we can know. So what are you called to and afraid to pursue? What lights you up with passion but scares you at the same time? What sets your soul on fire but you feel unqualified to do? God will be who God will be, and God will be with you. This is the God we can know. Let it be enough. And now, eventually, we know. The Gospels tell us that God wanted to be where we are. God didn't want to continue to speak through spokespeople, through Moses or Abraham or prophets, or anyone else. So God put skin on and gave God's self to us as Jesus Christ. God so loves us and God desires to be in physical closeness with us. God is with you and God will be with you. Let it be enough. Amen? Amen. Amen.